Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press, AJ Knight, AJ Salveson in tonight with uh, intern Adam and AJ had to run off on some sports superhero business. Adam. Jazz are playing tonight. Jazz are winning. Jazz are up to the second seed in the Western Conference right now. How exciting is that? Right? Now, or excuse me, not third. This has a third. I think Denver won last night. My oh, bad. Dang it. But that being said, is it because they're, they're playing, let's be honest, a pretty soft stretch right now. They've been in the middle of a fairly soft stretch here. So do you, is it improvement? Is it the schedule? Is it both? Uh, I think it's both. Honestly, because I feel like at the beginning of the season when we started out, we wouldn't be winning these games. We wouldn't be winning these hand-me games Fair. because a lot of the times they were close games and Mike Conley wasn't quite as consistent as we'd like him to be. So that was probably no the joke. biggest thing. So now that we have this stretch of games where we should be winning and we should be blowing these teams out, we've definitely seen improvement on how we're playing as a team and how, I guess, players are stepping up into leadership positions and roles. So it's not just on Rudy and Donovan. Do you think, I don't know that anyone would necessarily say that they ran out of gas, but the last few seasons, the, the the MO seems to be the same for the Jazz. They seem to take a while to get going, then they figure it out and they run off a crazy record for like three-fourths of the season, and then let's be honest, they played some pretty good teams, and, and offensively they just stalled against the, the Rockets. Are you concerned that maybe running out of gas might be an issue again if that was the case in years in seasons prior because they just get off to such a hot stretch for like three-fourths of the season? No, I don't think this year. This year, for some reason, feels different. And I think it's how Donovan's playing. Whereas, like, in years past, Donovan had to score 30 points That's a night good point. in order good to win point. these games. But now Donovan, he doesn't have to. I mean, he can, and he does a lot of times. But now he doesn't have to throw the team on his back. You know, I mean, you got Boyan Bogdanovich. You got Joe Ingles, who's on fire. Good to see that. And then you Can got we get Re- him in a three-point contest, finally? Yeah, I know, right? It's Come such on. a joke. Oh, anyways. But it just feels different. It feels like... They're not really like load managing themselves okay. here, but they're kind of saving themselves for that last playoff push and playoff run. So the trade of Jeremy Clarkson is kind of lined up with this winning streak. He's helped solidify the bench. They, of course, made the big trade for Conley. They signed Bogdanovic, like you said. Do you see another move coming before the trade deadline? Uh, not with how we're playing right now. I, I really wonder what Conley's doing, you know, Behind the scenes, right. you know, getting better because I think it was—it's a hamstring injury that's kind of yeah. And those always him back. linger. Yeah, exactly. So I want to see what they're doing behind the scenes. If Conley's not figuring things out, maybe we figure out a trade for another bench player to come off and help that's a good Clarkson. Point. But as it is right now and how the Jazz are playing, I don't see the Jazz making another move. I think the you, deadline. I think you might be right. Obviously, you know, Bogdanovich's been huge, but Conley was supposed to be a big acquisition too. So getting him back. Almost would seem like a big trade, too, and then obviously send some guy back to the bench so it helped lengthen your team. Um, preseason, I had the Jazz finishing as the, I think, the second seed behind Denver because I figured those two teams were going to really want to get home court advantage, whereas teams like the Lakers and Clippers were going to load manage their way and just figure they could get it. That being said, now that we're getting close to the All Star break, where do you think the Jazz finish overall? Because it, I think at this point we include their playoff team. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, I really see them thinking uh, at least third. Okay. I think I think that uh, the Lakers have pretty much solidified their first their first place spot um, unless something crazy happens. I mean, we don't know with the Anthony Davis injury that that's good. He's yeah, had. that's true. Um, so I mean, Denver. I don't know if they can make a consistent push. I mean, I don't 
Jokic. I mean, he's good, but I don't know anybody else really that's on that team that can really lead that team to finish second in the West. Um, but the way it is right now, I think maybe the Clippers maybe kick it into gear once we get closer towards the end of the regular season. So I just kind of figure I'll we'll see the Jazz third or second. Yeah, standings right now. So the Lakers are thirty-three and eight. They're top. Four and a half game back are the Nuggets and the Jazz. Five games is the Clippers, six and a half is the Rockets, seven Mavericks. They're the sixth seed. And then it's 10 games, 14s for the, the last two. I think you're probably right. The Nuggets, I think, have a pretty good home court advantage. Denver has always seemingly been a tough place to play. The Clippers don't seem like they're going to take it seriously, and I don't really buy the Rockets. So I, I think you're right. Second, third, definitely hosting a round for sure. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Sorry about that. No, I was doing my project. superhero sports things that you guys were talking about. We just, we just figured we'd spin off our own show. You know, we've just we've gone mad with power. Hey, big thanks to Adam the intern helping out. By the way, while I was do you care of think that. the Jazz will make a trade? We'll get in that to uh, the end of the uh, at the end of the uh, hour here oh, as we oh, get ready for that. I think he's got inside information. That's what that sounded like to me. I'm gonna keep that hush. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, joining us here as promised, we were able to get a hold of him. Uh, Con Smith, who is live in Sacramento, uh, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, he is a maestro, as I've been told to use a fancy word in the fishing expertise world. And he was also an assistant under coach, uh, the legendary coach, I might put it, as uh, Bobby Knight. Con Smith joining us here on the Full Court Press. Con, thanks for your time. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to ask you this. Legend has it. Uh, I don't know if it's a myth or truth, but you were going to be, or at least coaching Skyview basketball in the summer. And then an offer came to go be an assistant coach at Indiana. Is that truth, or is there more to the story? Well, <laughs> there's always a little more to the story, but that's that's about it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, what was that experience like? I mean, I mean, was it Bobby Knight who called you, or how did that end up taking place? Well, what happened was, is I had met Coach Knight at a clinic, and uh, I asked him a question about defending Herb Williams in the Big Ten championship game. It's a clinic in Salt Lake, and he was doing a big expo there because they just won uh, I think the Pan Am games and won the NCAA. And so I was just a young coach, and so I asked him a question about defending the post. And he said, uh, that's a really good question. So he spent about an hour on all the different ways to defend a big guy, you know, run them, uh, help off a non-shooter, take away the reverse pass, play in and out, play, you know, all, his shoulder, all, all the different ways he do. And then after he says, hey, uh, come and see me after the clinic. <laughs> so I'm in Salt Lake just, uh, you know, in an old pickup truck because I was coaching at Westside, a little high school up in southern Idaho, and I didn't have any money. And he, so I wait around after the clinic, and he's talking to all the college coaches and all the people there, you know, the so the big name guys, you know. And and finally, they kind of cleared out, and I walked up to him. He says, "Hey, I just want to tell you that was a really good question." So I said, "Well, thanks." And he says, "Do you know a place to get ice cream?" And I said, "Well, yeah, coach, I do, but..." He said, well, let's go. And I said, hey, I just got an old pickup. He said, I don't care. We're going. So <laughs> we drive, drive up and down State Street there in Salt Lake and find a Baskin Robbins and get some ice cream. So 
I says, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going to go up into Montana and meet Norm Allenberger, who was the coach at New Mexico then. And he said, well, uh, we're going to go fly fish, and I'm trying to learn how to fly fish. And I said, Dal, coach, I've been uh, fly fishing since I was eight years old. I said, where are you going? He goes, the Madison River. And I said, gee, that's where I've fished since I could walk. So I drew him out a map and told him where to go, and I gave him a bunch of flies I had there in my pickup truck and, you know, took him back. Well, for the next week, he's calling me every night at this little high school up in the west at home there and asking me if I knew another place to go fishing. So I guess, <laughs> I mean, I'm there helping coach football. I'm telling the guys, hey, Bobby Knight's calling me every night. They go, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? And I said, no, he really is. You know? So so that went on for a week, and then I didn't hear anything uh, from him. And at Christmas time, here came four pretty good-sized boxes, and it had every one of Indiana's game films that they'd played that year with a little note that said, I know you really like to study how we play, I thought these might be good for you, you know, and he sent me some training bill. I'm like, wow, you know, and so then, you know, that had to be really expensive because they were eight millimeter films and stuff. And so then that summer, I get a call from Liddell Anderson at Utah State. And he says, hey, uh, I don't know what's going on, but Bobby Knight says he'll come speak at our camp but the only way he'll do it is if I get you to take him fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I says, well, you know, he said, can you do that? And I said, well, yeah, sure, because I was just going to work camp, you know. And so so Liddell would speak, and then he and I would take off and went up into Idaho, southern Idaho and Montana fly fishing. So I got to know him that way, and then, what ended up happening is, is I really got to know them. My teams were doing pretty good there. Up in 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 Idaho, we'd won a couple state championships and things. And then he had me go back to his camps and clinics. And then they won the national championship in 1981 with Isaiah Thomas and that team. And one of his assistants left, and he calls me on the phone. He says, uh you're coming to Indiana as an assistant coach. He says, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you can't pass this up. I got it all, I got it all set up to move you out here. So that's what's going to, you know, so that's what happened. But, you know, it's, it's kind of great in two ways. One is that, you know, somebody like me gets that kind of an opportunity. But the other one is, is that, you know, there are hundreds of guys that, wanted to go there really you know you just think about it just won the national championship and the former players and things like that but he had got to know me you know how i talked with people and you know he had me do a lot of things that really grilled me about basketball and just felt like i was a young guy that would really help their program so that's what happened i went there and when I was there, I was there six years. We won the Big Ten, I think four times, won the NCAA, won the gold medal in the Olympics with the 1984 team with Michael Jordan and 
Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen, those guys. Good so heck. It was, Seriously. It was a fantastic, you know, really quite a meteoric, you know, jet ride so, to in basketball. So I was pretty darn fortunate. Uh, Mr. Smith, as a a Purdue grad, what was it like? Because I only know one side of of Bobby Knight, and that's the one that threw the chair and all the anger (laughs) and the yelling. What was it like having that relationship with him that you described fishing and then working with him when, you know, he was was quite the motivator and quite the yeller? Yeah, well, he's, you know, there's no one that's more intense, you know, that's for sure. And Gene Cady was really intense at Purdue, too, but not quite to the level... (laughs) Bobby was, and they're both really just great coaches. But, you know, really intense. He he had no problem at all on pushing a player to his, you know, abilities. I mean, if if you weren't playing up to what he thought your ability was, then, you know, he would push you to, to help you gain to get to that level. And the same thing with anyone in the program, you know, you just – worked at such a high intensity level that things really mattered and you know and he was he was tough on you and tough on players but in the end you know you really were able to reach your maximum abilities and you know it's I don't know nowadays if if we can do that you know because to push people past their comfort level but no, he was great. Absolutely great. Not not easy to work or play for, but that's not what you wanted. You, know, you wanted to be the best you could be. Hey, I have it on record, or at least that I, I saw, I read an article that said about that chair incident that you said all the other coaches should have thrown the chairs as well because it was that bad of refereeing. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it actually is true. I was sitting right there by him, and, you know, we we're that was a Purdue game, by the way, but we were. Uh, had a guy that just just flat out we felt like was just cheating. I mean, it was just awful. And, and so when Bobby threw the chair, you know, he, of course, was suspended and everything. But I spent every day that next week going to the Big Ten office with Wayne Duke and sitting down and going over every play of the game. And they actually ended up suspending the referee, you know, and everything from, from refing. But yeah, it was awful, but you know that happens. And you know what was funny after it is <laughs> he did he did some advertisements with a local uh, local furniture store. It'd be like R.C. Willie's or somebody in Utah, you know, big big furniture store. And, and he says, "You buy a couch, and I'll throw in a chair." <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, and, and, you know, his story was is that he was there coaching. There was this little old lady over in the corner across the court that didn't have a chair. He said she just <laughs> shouted over, hey, Bob, toss me a chair. So he says, what the heck? I just tossed her one over. I got to ask you, you brought up the 1984 Olympic team. This, this team featured Michael Jordan, but then you cut. Charles Barkley and John Stockton. So, first question, yeah. it's a two-part. What was it like coaching Michael Jordan? And two, what in the world were you thinking when you cut Charles Barkley and John Stockton? Well, it, it is so, so hard. But Barkley was only 18 years old, and he was really, really young and pretty much overweight. And so, 
that that was part of it, and you know we didn't have time to really develop and see what you know what kind of guy player is going to be. Then the other thing is we're playing against three two zones. All the European teams played three two zones, and you know they had all these big seven footers and everything. So anyway, our whole offense and defense was devised to play against those teams. So you just try to make the best decisions and. You know, there were a lot of good plays. Carl Malone didn't make it because he had the chicken pox in the Olympic trials and couldn't make, he'd go to the trials, you know. So there's just things like that. And then, of course, you know, good night, John Stockton. He made the final 20. And actually, Coach Knight really argued to keep him. I was in all the meetings, and so I know this for a fact. But he argued like heck to keep him, but like, you know, Digger Phelps and a bunch of other coaches who were on the selection committee. They wanted, they thought that it was real important that Coach Knight kept his own player, which is probably true. You know, politically, how do you cut, if you're Bobby Knight from the state of Indiana, how do you cut Steve Alford? He's the <laughs> MVP of the state and Mr. Basketball and, you know, first team all Big Ten as, you know, freshman and sophomore. So, you know, how do you cut your own player, you know, and keep someone else? But Bobby's always said that, you know, taking everything into consideration, you know, he would have kept uh, Stockton, who, you know, both of them were small. Gal John was, you know, really small, and so was Steve Alford. But, again, we're playing against zones, and, and Alford, I think, set all kinds of Olympic records in shooting. You know, he hardly missed the shot through the whole Olympics. So, you know, that's just, that's really difficult. Of course, you know, now after everything Stockton's done, being all pro all these years and all these things, golly, you know, you think how, how in the world could you not, could you not have taken him at that time? But, you know, they're all, Stockton was able to get with a great, great team with the Utah Jazz and great, great coaches and develop himself into, you know, being the best point guard maybe ever in the NBA. And I think a lot of that credit goes to, you know, Jerry Sloan and Phil Johnson and, you know, of course, Frank and Scott Wade and those guys. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the ones that really helped John, you know, Stockton develop the way that he did. But those are just tough decisions you have to make as coaches and you don't always make the right ones, you know. Legendary coach Steve Kahn with us, Mr. Kahn. Uh, um, what? Or excuse me, Kahn Smith. Sorry, I did it backwards. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you, I think all Jazz fans have a very bitter memory, more so recent of Michael Jordan. What was it like back then uh, for the with the Olympic team seeing him? Could you see ultimately what he ended up being, or was it maybe you didn't uh, see him being the gro- the greatest of all time? Oh, no, no, no. He, as soon as he started working with him, you know, I was on the court with him every day for six weeks. And in every drill and everything that you did, he worked as harder, harder than anybody else. And then he was, I mean, you just, every day in practice, you'd turn to one of the other coaches and say, did you just see that? I mean, it was just, athletically, he was, just a step above everybody you know he just was incredibly gifted athlete so no it wasn't hard I mean I will tell you a story we were playing uh 
a game in the summer prior to the Olympics in the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, and there were 68,000 people there to watch it. So we played, I think, three NBA All-Star games prior to that one and had beaten the NBA All-Star teams with this Olympic team. So I used to work out with them in the summer a little bit with with Isaiah Thomas and when they come back in the summer, you know, so I kind of knew those guys. And so I went into the NBA locker room before the game just to say hi to guys. And so the NBA all-star team had Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson as guards and Kevin McHale and Norm Parrish as a forward and Larry Bird. So, Isaiah Thomas was from Indiana. Larry Bird was from Indiana, and uh, and so I went in there and Bird's got guys up against the wall saying, "We're not losing to these guys anymore. I don't care," you know. And, uh, <laughs> and them I mean, and they were fired up to play. And I went back into our locker room, and there's, you know, just see what Michael Jordan was looking like, and he could not wait to get on the court. It's like. You know, there's no, hey, I'm intimidated, you know, nervous. He could not wait to get out there to, you know, to compete against those NBA greats, you know, of all time. And, and I think we won, the Olympic team won by 15, you know. And so it just was the team defense. And, of course, we've been working and playing together for six, seven weeks to that point. And they were playing at a really high level, but you know that that uh, Olympic team. Good night. I mean, you know, you got Patrick Ewing in the middle. Now think about this as his own offense. You got Patrick Ewing in the middle, playing a baseline. Michael Jordan at the free throw line. Chris Mullen on one wing. You know, one of the greatest three point shooters all all time. Sam Perkins on another wing. He's 6'10", 6'11", really great three-point shooter. And then whoever on the point, Steve Alford on the point, who doesn't hardly ever miss a shot. So, you know, you got the, you got the three shooters on the outside, Michael Jordan, the free throw line, who nobody can stay in front of. And then Patrick Ewing behind his zone on a baseline. That's, that's pretty dang good zone offense. <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Con, I wanted to ask you, you, uh, you are very knowledgeable in the world of fishing, as you've already mentioned. Uh, that also helps you develop a really good relationship with the Utah Jazz. Tell me how that came about, because I know you've, you've taken a few guys up to your ranch, you've taken a few guys fly fishing. What were those experiences like? You know what, when you go fly fishing with somebody, it seems like you become their friends forever. You know, and, and my first one that I really took was Larry Miller. And, God, we just had the best time. You know, he he was so intense and so driven with everything that he did and putting the whole thing together in Utah. But knew a rancher that is, kind of got to know him a little bit, and so I ended up taking him, him fly fishing. And then, God, when things would get tough, his secretary would call me and say, hey, Hey, coaches, you need to take Larry Flight. <laughs> you know? So I, you know, just, just, you know, they're just so driven. They need time to get away from everything. And, and so we became really close. And then I 
course, kind of knew his sons as they were growing up and everything. And then, then he would have me take a lot of people. You know, he had me take Wilford Brimley and the Osmonds and, you know, different people like that, you know, Governor Levitt and things like that. So I'd do that for Larry just because we're friends. And then now we still go up and spend a day or two with the whole Utah Jazz staff, my son and our guys, you know, we take them all out and go fly fishing up at their ranch there for a day or two, usually just prior to the draft. So it's a lot of fun for hey, us. Con, yeah. side, side note or side question to this, I actually got a bunch of questions from uh, a mutual friend of yours and mine. Uh, but I heard, and I wonder if this is true, that when you would go golfing with Bobby Knight, the, the assistant or the secretary would tell you to make sure that he won so he wasn't coming back in an angry mood. Is that true? <laughs> well, no, but that's not not a second. But all of us that ever worked for Coach Knight, we uh, we thought that things went a little bit better if he was able to win. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he did not like losing at anything. Not at anything. I mean, believe me. So, so yeah, no, I one time in the summer, I you know, would run his summer basketball camp. And what I mean by that, you know, the head coaches in the summer, they they don't want to monkey around with registering kids and setting up everything. So the assistants set it all up. But he had a really huge basketball camp. And so day before canceling, and I'm running the camp, you know, there's going to be 800 kids and 50 coaches come in and all that. So... I'm running the camera I'm down in the field house getting ready. And here came the trainer and says, hey, Con, coach wants you. And I said, well, what does he want? He said, he wants to play tennis. <laughs> so <laughs> the, other, the other two coaches, Joby Wright and Roy Swalm, say, hey, uh, Con, now be cool now. You know, you <laughs> <don't>, <laughs> we're going into camp for six weeks, you know. And so, <laughs> and so uh we get playing, and uh, and we played at a little a place we called Wimbledon. It was a rich guy there in Bloom had this really uh, immaculate court. But we get playing, and I get up four games though, and he's getting pretty agitated. So <laughs> I threw the rest of the games and I went six four. Just so, magically lost my serve. Yeah. <laughs> but we go back into the cave, you know, in the bottom of Assembly Hall, and and. We're sitting there, and Steve Downing comes in. His assistant AD there, he played at Indiana, played for the Celtics. But he's, he came in and says, hey, you guys play tennis? Who won? And, and coaches. Well, he says, after I got going, he says, I just kicked Con's ass. <laughs> 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 so, that didn't go over real big with me. <laughs> So he walks out, and Royce and Joby's like, hey, hey, hey. I said, hey, let me tell you something. That is the last time I'm letting that somebody win. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, oh, that's so the next day, camp starts like at 2 at noon. Here comes the trainer to get me again. Says, Bobby wants to play tennis. And I turn to jo- Joby and Royce. They're like, come on now. You got- <laughs> you got- and I said, hey, I'm going to win every point if I no, you can't. <laughs> and, and they're walking, but I said, I don't care. And so we get playing, and, and I win the first set, 6-0. 
he breaks his Ivan Lindell racket. You know, oh so gosh. he's madder than heck, and I'm going back to the service line. He's hitting balls past me. I turn around, and he's just steaming mad. He'll serve him up. I said, we got to go to camp. He said, I don't care about camp. Serve him up. I mean, he is hot. So we play again, and I'm up like four games enough second set and he breaks his other racket so now he doesn't have a racket <laughs> you know and people are around the neighborhood or wondering what he's yelling screaming so i just go sit down on the bench and and he goes around to the pool house and all of a sudden i hear all this splash and a crack i said oh my heck he's throwing all the guys furniture in the pool <laughs> so I, I go around and he's sitting fully clothed in the pool <laughs> All I can see is hat, and and I so I don't say anything. I walk over in, in the pool house and get me a coke, sit down, and he starts pounding his fist on the water. I can't concentrate. I can't, you know. Let's go. So we, we jump, jump in his brand new Lincoln that he just got. He's fish telling through the neighborhood, soaking wet. Get the side. Assembly, he goes, get out. You know, so I sit out. <laughs> he takes off. And so, you know, he comes back and camp and everything. Doesn't talk to me for full first, for the full first week. And I'm running his camp. <laughs> and he just goes around, can't anybody do anything? You know, look at those little smudge marks on the backboard. Or look at the garbage can hasn't been emptied. Or <laughs> But the other assistants could have killed me, you know. <laughs> 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 but, oh. but then he one day said, come on, let's go. And I get in the car and he says, I don't, you know, he was having some problems. And he just said, sometimes I hurt the guys I love the most, you know. And so, But, you know, that's it. He's just so, so competitive and so driven to win at everything and so analytical. It doesn't matter what you're doing playing you better try to do it as well as you can you know so anyway i really love and appreciate him for that he's not doing so well now he's 80 he's got a little bit of dementia shuffles his feet a little and forgets things but uh i think he's going to go back to a game ohio state here in the next oh, next good. little while I, I just talked to him the other day i love him to death he's been great for me and great for a lot of really good players. You know, the the ones that are critical of them sometimes probably weren't very good players. <laughs> and they, they use that as an excuse. But, but no, he was great. He's really helped a lot of people be successful. And, you know, and he's Bobby Knight. That's what he is. You know, so that's yeah. what you got to take him for. Hey, going back to your uh, experience of being able to, uh, doing fishing and, and building relationships, who's one of the best uh, people, I guess one of the most enjoyable experiences, which person would that be with that stood out to you of, of a day of free fishing that you never forget? Oh, God, I have so many, but gosh, you know, of course, Larry Miller, he was just wonderful for sure. And, I don't know. I, I fished with Johnny Bench, and I fished with John Havlicek, and I've done a bunch of fishing hole shows with Jerry McInnes. It was just one of the very founders of ESPN Outdoors. 
Wait, I, I, I'm sorry no. to interrupt you, Mr. Smith, but did you just casually tell me that you went fishing with John Havlicek? Oh, yeah, a lot of times, yeah. He, he was great. John's one of the really great, great people. But, see, he and Bobby Knight were teammates at Ohio State. They won the national championship. Oh, I didn't know that. Ohio yeah, so that's kind of how I got to know him. But, he, yeah, we'd go every, every summer doing some stuff, yeah. I, I got to ask. A lot. I hate to even say that because there's so many guys, that, you know, and they're all all have been really great. I hate to leave somebody out, but well, they're probably not even that. listening anyway. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, it's it's been fun. I, you know, there's been, God, uh, oh, just a lot of people have just been just great uh, to 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 fish with, uh, and yeah. You know, I was just gonna say, you know, your your boy uh, Steve is. Uh, I, I think he's he's helping at Ridgeline uh, coaching, and then you you got your boy, other boy Chandler, helping coaching yeah. at Mountain Crest. Did you yeah. ever tell them like, don't do it? Whatever you do, do not coach. Or no, you you don't do that as a parent. You gotta let them live their own life. So, no, they both have always enjoyed basketball and been good at it. Both of them were all staters in basketball, so. It's just natural for them to coach, and they're really good coaches. They're both doing fine. They they enjoy it and love it. But yeah, they can't always ask me questions. I'm like, I'm trying to forget basketball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, My mind gets racing, but no, I I enjoy. It. I'm really glad they're able to do that. And, you know, it's working with kids. You know, trying to help them learn how to do something. So. They're good teachers. Um, I, you gotta like that. I ran into you at the uh, Nevada Utah State basketball game at the Spectrum uh, this past Saturday night. When you saw the Spectrum as it was, did it bring back uh, a flood of memories of what that place used to be like, or what was that experience like for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Great people there in Logan. I've always really loved the people there at Utah State. I, you know, when you get away from it, you get away from it. You know, you don't. I. I'm to the point where I just want to move on with life and do other things. You know, I like to do things with the church and, you know, with my family and this and that. So I don't go back to a lot of games, but, but no, I enjoy following, watch them on TV and everything. And, uh, you know, as well as a lot of other teams, but I was there to see Steve Alford, you know, cause mm -hmm. he came in as a freshman when I was at Indiana and then was so great. You know, he, accomplished a lot of things there so we've been close all through the years it's just a coach player relationship so he got me some tickets wanted me to come watch his team with my family so of course we went absolutely <laughs> uh yeah. what is the best fishing story you have i mean whether it was i mean i mean when we now we talk fishing stories people think about these long drawn out lies but for you the experiences with the people you fished tell me just one of the great memories that you had oh, in your fishing experience that you won't forget? God, I don't know. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many. I don't know if I can pick out one, but I don't know. I I, I, I fished in, in Russia. You know, that was pretty special. Walked the streets of Petropolsky. I fished in Cuba and walked the streets of Havana and then Took a tugboat up along the national park and fish for bonefish and tarpon. Wow. But, you know, they're just, of course, they're, you know, once in a lifetime things like that. But, 
No, probably just fishing with my dad on the Green River, you know, floating down and watching him catch fish for, you know, dad, my brother, that's the most special of all of them, really. Uh, your, your, your boy's running the, uh, the, your, the fishing store now, right? You're a retired man? Yeah, he actually, yeah, I sold that to him, so he's doing really good. He supplies all the flies for all the sports and warehouses and, and you know, store. So the, he's doing just great. Yeah, they sell a ton of flies, about four million of them a year, I think now. Where pe- yeah. where can people find that store at? Well, all the sports and warehouses. They're all of our flies. You know, every fly in those stores are his. And Shields, another one. Smith and Edwards, another one. So. Yeah, they're all across the country. Hey, Con, I know we said 20 minutes. You spent 30 with us, and I can't tell you oh. how much of a pleasure it was. Absolutely. That I'm, was... I'm sorry. You should have told me to shut up. No, are you, no, <laughs> no that's us. All. That's us saying we're going to spend as much time as we can. No, that was oh. that was a blast. Hey, you know, I haven't been fishing since I was 12, so you got to oh. – I'm going to hold you to your word if you say yes, but will you take me fishing sometime? Can you tie your own shoes? Yes. Okay, then I can take you fly fishing. That's what I'm talking I've never been fly fishing in my life, ever. Not once. And I would well, love to learn from one of the greatest to ever do it. It's not near as hard as thinking. It's really, I could teach you how to fly fish in five minutes. So. I'm going to hold you I'm gonna hold you to it then. We'll, we'll go fly fishing sometime in the spring. Uh, sounds great. Con, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Let's do it again sometime. All right. Thank All right, you. take care. You bet. Bye-bye. That's Con Smith, uh, legendary assistant under Bobby Knight. So clearly, uh, to be successful in the world, I got to learn how to fly fish and just take people fly fishing. Well, and you got to understand that. Look, no matter how mean he is, you got to beat him. All right, no matter if he's your boss, you oh, got to find. A don't way to be wrong. I have the throw a temper tantrum when I lose thing down. I got that. <laughs> that's a great one. That's uh, that's a great Con Smith, legendary assistant under Bobby Knight. Uh, he's a fisherman expertise. He actually helped out with the jazz a lot. I wish I would have dug into the jazz more, but that Bobby Knight stuff was too good. Well, that and I, I couldn't mean, step how, away from it. How often do you get to talk to a guy who coached Jordan? I know at the beginning. At the beginning, it was yeah, uh, where it all really began. Uh, it's AJ Knight on that side of Maj South. So we're going to take a, about a four minute break. We got a long break. We got to take because we're going to get into Jazz basketball at five forty seven, where David Luck and Ron Boone will take it over there as the Jazz get to right on to take on the Zion Williamson list. New Orleans Pelicans. It's the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. New home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. AJ Nye, AJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Grateful to have you joining us, however and wherever you are doing so. Uh, you can also stream us on 1069thefan.com. A big thanks to Con Smith joining us uh, on our show. So awesome. Dude, I I had 50 other questions in my brain that I already planned to ask, I, and I never even... Yeah, like, I, I told my dad we were going to interview him, and he was like, oh, ask him about this. No, no, ask him about this. No, no, ask him about this. And then and, and that's the thing is, it's so good. Like you, Like, you... I mean, and... As you know this just as much as I do because you do a great job with radio. Thank you. You understand that like sometimes your interviews aren't going to go according to script. You have a list of questions, but then an answer throws that list, takes it, shreds it, and then you're just like adjusting. And you're making adjustments because based on his answers. And and that was kind of the case because I was like, oh, we're going to talk jazz this and jazz that. All of a sudden I was like, dude, wait. 
Bobby Knight, man, let's let's just run with this. What yeah. you got? And, well, uh, I mean that, and and because he he, I'm a Purdue alum, but Bobby Knight is definitely one of the greatest coaches of all time. And then you know the the All Star team and Michael Jordan at uh, I think yeah, twenty one. That there you go. What? It's not just coaching Michael Jordan; it's coaching when it all began. Yeah, and that eighty four <sighs> Olympic team, and the fact that he was, and I love the Larry Bird story, <laughs> you know. And then Jordan goes in there and they torch him anyways. Uh, it just showed you how how great Jordan was, oh, absolutely. even at the start. And again, one of the great interviews that was a absolute blast. By, by the way, I'm holding him to it. I want to go fly fishing with that guy. I bet it's a blast. Think of how many more stories you would hear. Oh, I know. Just fly fishing with him. I'm not done. We're going to get him another interview too. Like you could tell, and and Adam, the intern, brought up a great point. He wanted to keep going. He wasn't done. And I was like looking at the clock, log clock, and I was like, we got to get out. This, this isn't going to work. Yeah. I've. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, he'll be nice <laughs> enough to get back on because that was just story after story after story. So good, really, really good. Uh, AJ Jazz Pelicans tonight. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, Jazz should win. Uh, you know, we had an intern Adam and I talked about it at the top of the hour. Uh, it is a bit soft schedule, but I agree with intern Adam. They've definitely improved. So, you know, you got to win every game and doesn't matter who you play W's W. So take advantage of the easier ones while you can build a, see if you can build some cushion at the top of the conference. Uh, I also, I, I look at it and, uh, you know, the last game they played there, it was a close one. It took a Rudy Gobert foul or block, whichever way you want to look at it, right. to escape out of that arena with a win. I feel like this team is continuing to gain confidence and trust in each other. I feel like this game might not be as close that the Jazz will be able to take care of business. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout by 20. I'm just saying that it's not going to come down to a last-second layup that's going to, whether it's a foul or a shot or not. I'd agree. Uh, but this Jazz team, again, they need as many wins as they can get before that stretch starts on January 25th, where they are running against, like, I mean, a brick wall. I mean, just like a brick wall. Texas, 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 Denver, Portland, For Con Smith, AJ Knight, Adam and the Eternal, Maj Salson, thank you so much for joining us on the Full Court Press.